0: And I hope you have all you dreamed of. Are back for episode 19, MLB trade deadline day special. If you're asking yourself who that is, that's actually recently acquired outfielder slash DH from the San Diego Padres, Franmil Reyes, and that's to show you what kind of personality he has. But thank you for joining us today. We are. I don't know the best way to put it, ecstatic for what's gone on the past 24 hours. But we'll dive into that deep more and more as we go. But first off, my partner Zach, you came in here. You said this is the first time you've been this excited for Indians baseball in over two years. Why is that?
1: Well, because we have. A, I feel like we have a future for the last year and a half. I've just been looking at this closed window or window that is going to be closed based off of what happened late last night. I feel a little rejuvenated. I feel like okay, maybe that window that crack in the window is still there. I I feel confident that we have some younger players that we can build a core around that's even younger than like Lindor or Jose. We have like a we have another group under that now. That I feel confident in that can produce,
0: but they're growing this window, and it's what they talked about. They wanted to keep the window open while staying competitive. And when we first heard those comments, we were like, well, "What's the point of being, com- you know, make winning division titles if you're not really competitors for for the World Series and making runs and whatnot?" And I think we kind of overlooked what they meant by that, maybe because making moves like this shows that they are committed to making advancements when they see their team is capable of making the, the next step. They're willing to go out and get the pieces to help facilitate to getting to that next step.
1: I mean, this is three years in a row now that our front office has uh, stepped up and have, has made some power moves at the trade deadline. So, I, again, I, I'm just I'm very excited. Fred Mel Reyes, I think, is what moves the needle the most for me. The fact that he is... In his age 23 season, and will be under team control until through the 2024 season. Right. And he, this year, he is making half a million dollars.
0: Oh, yeah. Until he gets, I don't
1: even think he hits arbitration for another two. 2022 is arbitration, his first God. year. And then we get three years of that. Right. Oh, this no, is that's fun. A, That's this amazing. Is fun.
0: You always have to give credit. And I, I know we always give a hard time to the Dolans and whatnot, but. I mean, the same cannot be said about Mike Chernoff and Chris Antonetti. Right. They do their damn job and yes. they do it very well.
1: We cut so much payroll and got infinitely better by moving one guy off the books. It's funny. Uh,
0: it's I mean, we, we complain about some of the exits that happened in the offseason, which were pretty much, you, right. you were right to be upset with at the time. Right. But honestly, if you compare it to where you are now after making the additions, after the subtractions you've had, you're really not that far off. And that's saying that with your top two pitchers out. Out yes. for majority of the season. Yeah. Like, how weird is that? And not only is that speaking to the additions they're making, that's speaking to the development staff, the team that's developing You know, our pitchers. Our pitchers have always been known to be developed well in our system. Great scouts and great developers in that area. Uh, we have guys in the front office that are making these scouting moves to find guys to go trade in. For the previous season, I know Mercado was a trade deadline pickup last year, and just a kind of a throwaway trade, like stuff
1: like that. Right. Well, we'll have the in our, we'll just say in our lifetimes, have the Indians actually went out and got a starting pitcher that was already like at a major league level?
0: Have they done that?
1: I don't think they have. I don't. Everything that they've done has been kind of built through their own, like. Okay, so Bauer came from the Diamondbacks.
0: Yeah, Bauer was a lower level pitcher when we, when we brought him in.
1: The Diamondbacks were very frowny face with him.
0: Still a top five pick in a draft.
1: Right, but I'm just saying the Diamondbacks were not happy with any of Bauer's antics regar- oh, yeah. regarding his warm up and all of this and just Bauer being Bauer. And the Indians allowed him to do his thing. And then he turned into one of the. Well, a top pitcher in the league, and now he was the ultimate trade piece.
0: His, I mean, his path is a lot more obscure than most because, I mean, for most of the parts, he was like the odd man out in a rotation and was moved to the bullpen at times. Right. I know, bef- before 2016, definitely.
1: Well, it's just because he's just such an—he's an odd guy, a very odd guy. And I don't mean that in a bad way. He's just different.
0: Well, you know what? Now that he's off the team, I am comfortable with saying he's an ass. He's an ass, and I'm kind of glad he's, got, he's away from the team. Okay. Because here's what I don't understand, is I don't understand this group of Indians fans that are upset. I understand. you can No, be I, upset. Don't, I don't get that either. You can be upset that his talent is gone, Yes. but if you're calling him a good guy and the reason— and I, I understand he meshes with guys in the locker room,
1: but he, that doesn't make him a good guy. He also clashes with guys in the locker room, too. Oh, absolutely. No, I'm not— I I enjoyed I enjoyed him because he was different. He had some good quirks about him, but, but some that were just absolutely yes. devastating. I I agree. I agree. And then also too, I don't I really don't see what the Reds are doing trying getting more into that trade. Right. Because for multiple reasons, but just going at this from the Bauer perspective, Bauer is not having his best best year in 2019.
0: Clearly. I mean, it was last year before he got hurt, but yeah.
1: Right. And Bauer is also leading the majors in games started with over 100 pitches.
0: I think he has 175 innings already. Uh, no, 157.
1: That wouldn't surprise me, but he just, he racks up the pitch count. And it's fairly competitive competitive towards the top as far as who else, uh, other starters that have over 100 pitches and their starts but when you start getting up there like 115 pitches 120 pitches Bauer is by far the leader by a multitude of games like I just I don't care what you do as your warm-up or what kind of training you go through the human arm can only do that so many times before it just starts to fall apart I mean my shoulders are a little uh a little weak themselves. I haven't played <laughs> competitive baseball since high school. Right. Well, I was in the pool last week and put my arm over my head and my shoulder popped out. Oh, my God. So
0: Well, you just may be an old soul at that point. I, I mean, I, can't I help am, but I just
1: mean, like, <laughs> things happen. Shoulders are not—they're irreplaceable.
0: No, I, I totally agree with you. I think there's two different ways you can look at it in terms of what kind of concerns— led to getting to the trade. Obviously, there's many things why Bauer got traded. One of them happens to be the money that's going to cost for him in arbitration coming up in the offseason. But there's, like you said, there's the physical aspect, the demand it takes on his body, and the likelihood that it could break him down within the next couple of years. That's obvious. You can't go
1: on.
0: Yeah, science tells you 125, 130 pitches, you're not really going to hold up that
1: well in the long run. Well, also, too, he's really going to screw himself over because he wants to sign all these one year deals. He's going to sign a one year deal and he's going to get hurt. His arm's going to want to fall off. Good luck getting that money the next season.
0: Yeah, it gives him no protection. I also think another thing is we talked about it there real quick but I, it's the other side of the factor of why I believe they accelerated the talks to get him traded this at this deadline was that the antics, the the personality behind him. And I think some of the quotes from today's press interview between uh, Tito and much of the front office talking about the trade was pretty telling. So Terry Francona talked about Bauer's actions on Sunday and whether there were any concerns around. He's like, yeah, I didn't want him to make something that he's remembered for here with his time in Cleveland, but saying that I did have concerns of what it could do to our team. I voiced those concerns and I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little bit worried. So you have to believe there, I mean, it's just been an accumulation of stuff. This has been on the shoulders of not just Tito. If it's on the shoulders of Tito, it's on the shoulders of the other coaches. It's on the shoulders of maybe some of the players. And it's also on the shoulders of the front office. They've
1: all been feeling it. Right. I mean, it's kind of only a matter of time before enough would be enough with him. I mean, there, there's been a lot. And, like, we can kind of... You can work through, like, some of the things that have happened throughout his time in Cleveland. But I think, by far, the two biggest things that everyone's going to remember about Trevor Bauer and his time in Cleveland, the drone incident in 2016, yep, and him throwing the ball out of the stadium when he's getting pulled. Those are the two things people are going to remember about Trevor Bauer.
0: Yeah, I mean, just the the average person. Yeah, but I I feel like we have such a different perspective because we—I mean— we read the article, I forget which magazine he did it with where he was talking about his personal life and whatnot. Yes. We read all the dirty stuff. We've read the way he behaves to young women on social media. Right. and How he just goes and outbursts on anybody and will do anything because I, he's such a small minded person.
1: And I, I will give him he was honest in that article. Right. I mean you, you can't you knock honestly. I, I guess. I mean he may live his life a little bit differently, but again, at least he's honest, so I think there's some level of respect there.
0: I mean, I guess you gotta find it any way you can.
1: Um, but no, with with Bauer, he was like I said, he was a good pitcher, had some good years. We had some good moments with him. Uh does he get a does he get a tap send off like uh like we did to the AAF or no, I I, I don't think he's there yet. <laughs> Not there yet? Okay. I, I,
0: I, I think a lot of the negatives kind of outweighs it for me.
1: Okay, that's fair. That's fair. But no, just the the return that we got from this trade, the Indians got away with highway robbery.
0: Yeah, so let's go more into the details of this trade itself. So as you've probably all heard from now, it's a three-team trade between kind of ironically how the Indians acquired uh, Trevor Bauer in the first place. It was a trade with the Reds and an NLS team. Funny that you should think about. That's how they acquired them. So in this term, giving it out they shelled off Trevor Bauer, the only player in this trade that they gave up, which is I remarkable. Think, remarkable was the best way
1: to put it. It wasn't. It wasn't money. No yeah. money. No prospects. It wasn't. Yeah. Absolutely that, that, ridiculous. That is the only
0: thing they gave up. They sent him off to the Reds. Now, in return, the Reds sent Yasiel Puig. Oh, we will dive into a lot here yes. in a little bit. Yes. Yasiel Puig, big personality. Huge arm in the outfield. Can't underestimate. I know everybody wants to talk about the bats that we're getting, but his arm in right field is going to be crucial. You put, I mean, he, honestly, if you figuratively could get Naquin used to playing left field, you're talking me about two wicked arms in your corner outfield? Yes. That's scary.
1: Yes. No, I, I agree. I mean, granted, it's, uh, it's a little league park that they have down there in, <laughs> in Cincinnati. Average but, American ballpark. Exactly. But... Dude can throw it from the warning track to home plate on the fly, right on the money. Oh, yeah. And has done it many times. I was watching highlights of him, and there's a couple times where I'm convinced that he purposely bobbled the ball and right, so that would debate the runner into running the second base where he could just gun them down by 10 steps.
0: I saw one where he did that with uh, Freddie Freeman. Yes. And kind of bobbled yeah. one
1: running to the wall, yes. turns and just flips it on a rope. Yeah, you can't tell me that he didn't bobble that on purpose. I'm convinced. I'm convinced. One percent calculated to bait him, and he got absolutely baited. Oh, I completely
0: agree. (laughs) Just knowing his personality, I'm sure that's just something he loves to do.
1: So getting him for this one year—well, can't even call it a one-year rental. Just call it a half half pennant race. Months, yeah. Call it a pennant race with him. So I mean that—that alone. Okay, that gets me ready for 2019. It gets me ready for this pennant chase that we're still in with the twins, and the postseason. Right.
0: But that's not it. You get their number no. twelve prospect in Scott Moss, a pitcher that's right. You know had had some. I think he had Tommy John a couple years ago, but I mean he's he's performing pretty well. I think he was with their AA affiliate recently, and he had a pretty high K per nine rate. I think it was hovering close to around ten strikeouts okay. per nine. Uh, ERA was pretty low he sounds like a guy that could turn into a nice little reliever for them or albeit maybe a back end starter at some point for them if he develops into one
1: right and then on the other end of how we can benefit in 2019 from this trade is Framo Reyes of course guy
0: the outfielder that we got from San Diego
1: just looking at what he's done this year he has 27 home runs yeah that is a big bat that we very much need in the outfield.
0: Now, I guess some of the, the concerning devil's advocate characteristics that people point to are, more importantly, his uh, runners in scoring position batting average. I think it's hovering around a buck sixty-seven, which isn't very great. Now, I guess you got to take into consideration that you're talking about a last-place Padres team. I think they just moved up in front of the uh, some. I think they they moved up in front of somebody in that division. It doesn't matter. It's if it's not the Dodgers it really doesn't matter, but uh, you're talking about a team that's not fully there yet. They're not very great. I don't know w- who was hit in front of them. So all of that comes into play, but still a Buck 67 you don't like to see that. And then I believe he only has like 40 something RBIs or something. Like it's a very low number compared to the amount of home runs he has. So it kind of works hand in hand there.
1: Yeah, 40 46 RBIs in the year. Um no, I. For the reasons that you just said about his, some of his other numbers besides the home runs not being that great, I I am going to just attribute that to the fact that it is the Padres.
0: Yeah, I, I think he could. I I don't know how many at bats he has for it, so that obviously the the num- the batting percent the batting average could be three hundred twenty
1: one ABs this season
0: with guys in running. In uh, position. No. That's that's the big thing okay, though because gotcha, it only gotcha. takes in consideration that. So if it's a low number, I mean, yeah. it's not great, but it, it's not a big sample size.
1: Right, right. No, I agree. I mean, we'll definitely see it. I mean, he should be in the well, line. Should be in the lineup tomorrow. Right. If he's in a good spot in the batting order,
0: I guarantee you this team's gonna give him an ob- opportunities yes. to be in that spot. Uh, But, no, I I love what he brings to the team. I think it's great. It's a controllable player. It's a guy that can play the outfield if must. I think he'd be better off trying to learn the first baseman spot. Yes. Because of his size and how he moves. And then, obviously, he's going to be your everyday DH. I think this is a prime opportunity where you can get Jake Bowers the hell out of that position. Right. And you can finally get some production out of there. Yes. Because you've been working without a DH technically. You have been technically without a DH this entire season.
1: Right. And that brings up the point of, okay, we just brought in two major league guys. We just got to find two spots for them. So you just bring up Bowers. Hopefully, fingers crossed, he will be one of them. Right.
0: And then here's the thing that people aren't talking enough about in this three-team trade is that, I mean, you got multiple pieces from the Padres, obviously, but you got a top 100 prospect and a pitcher that no one wants to... I, I can't believe how limited I've heard Logan Allen's name... In this trade discussion so far, I think that's one of the biggest pieces of that. You just got a top one hundred pitcher thrown into this little discussion. And say, hey, hopefully this entices you to start this deal.
1: Right, like, that's incredible. Right. Well, I mean, I feel like it's kind of the same thing that we saw and are currently seeing, like with the Browns. So all they talk about is the offense. No one talks about how good the defense is, just because it doesn't it doesn't have that uh, doesn't have that name weight to throw around. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that okay, he's. Minor league guy, so no one, for the most part, people don't really read into that as much as they probably should. But no, I, I really can't find one flaw with this trade.
0: No, like I, 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 yeah.
1: I I've been trying to find like maybe one, one thing wrong. I really can't find any.
0: I mean, yeah, uh, I, you, I guess <laughs> you could try to turn and say, okay, maybe Yasiel Puig's not back next year. Okay. okay, that's fine. You still opened up over twenty million dollars yes. in payroll. Yes.
1: Yeah, no, just stand alone there. You save $20 million in payroll. And then I will say for the immediate future, given the current shape of our starting rotation, we are looking a little thin just of players that are healthy. But once we get everyone back healthy, we're going to be loaded again.
0: It's a deep, young group of guys that right. can start. I mean, like I said, before we did this trade, I felt comfortable with at least eight to nine different guys that are just healthy right now. Right. We had our full starting five up, and I felt like Efrey Rodriguez, when he became healthy, another guy that I would trust in certain situations. Right. Aaron Savali, who we might see up this weekend, is another guy that's been pitching his ass off
1: down there in Columbus. Right. I mean, that's with a with Plesack, with Savali, and
0: And you know what? I'm going to throw Logan Allen to this because he's had some MLB experience this year. Right. He's had limited time, and that's why his ERAs. Uh, just I I think it's hovering around five something, but still he's been pretty productive when he's gotten his
1: chance. Right. Well, like I was saying with Pleissack, with Savali, and with Jeffrey, they had their first few like three, four starts. They looked great. Their next two weeks of starts, not so much. And I think that a lot of that's just because okay, teams saw the scouting report, figured out okay, this is what they do well, this is what they don't do. Let's put them in this situation. And they learned. So then in turn, then it goes back to all these pitchers and the pitching coaches, okay, how can we adapt to this? How can we change? And I think that's one of the things that the Indians do really well is with their young pitchers. They just develop and allow them to learn how to adapt to certain situations. That's 100% what I was
0: going to touch on next because that's why I love the addition of Logan Allen into this trade so much because I think one of the reasons why they were the Padres were so willing to split with Allen if it meant they were going to get uh, Taylor Tremmel from mm-hmm. the Reds is that they felt like I, I think most of the scouting reports say that Allen's more of a like a back end in between a three and a five in terms of the starting role. But what we've learned from this organization in their front office is that what they can do is their player personnel group can develop these guys to be over what they're expected to be. I remember all the talks about Bieber being a back-end rotation guy, a four or a five. Right. He was a walk-on at UC Santa Barbara. And look where he's got. He's probably he's definitely one of your top two guys right now, if yes. not your ace. I, I would agree. I 100% agree. I, I'm not afraid to put him as my ace right now. No,
1: I... He pitched very well yesterday against the Astros. He did all he could do. The Astros have a top lineup and he held them to two runs. And they were You
0: know who couldn't do that in the postseason last year? Your two previous top guys. <laughs> I was just
1: gonna say everyone. Well, that too. Anyone that had an arm. That too. Could not stop them. Right. But no, I mean there was um give up the it was a home run, right? That was their first run.
0: Yeah, I, I forget who did it, but yeah.
1: Okay, so chalk that up mistake pitch happens. And the next one, very borderline whether or not Tyler Nake went caught it, did he trap it? It was very borderline. Oh yeah, the
0: Michael Brantley shot, yeah. They
1: called it no-out on the field. Then they actually said that they confirmed it, but I'm not sure how. I didn't really see anything that could really prove that it bounced, but then again, I couldn't really see that well. So they, I mean that that was their two runs. It just came down to our offense not being good enough.
0: And we talked about this before the show, that the Astros lineup going from 1 through 7 is pretty damn stacked. Yes. I mean, Yuli Gurriel, we're talking about, a guy that has an 18-game hitting streak heading into tonight, uh, trade deadline night, hitting almost 500 in that span, is batting in their 7 hole. Like, this is not an easy lineup to go three times through in a single game.
1: And to put that into perspective, from what I've seen of projected lineups for the Indians with Puig and Reyes in it, that bumps Kipnis down to seven. There is a large difference between those two number seven at I'm really
0: interested to see how this lines up because I think there's, as long as Naquin's in the lineup, I think he stays in that nine slot because I think Tito likes having that 9-1 turnaround because if Naquin's getting on base, that's giving Lindor the rare opportunity with possibly a guy in scoring position for him
1: correct and he doesn't even have to necessarily be in scoring position if Lindor just puts one in the gap one's fast enough he can score from first I'd have no problem sending him home from going first to home
0: I think they'll probably keep Roberto in that eight hole just to keep a mismatch on handedness you get a righty then a lefty going in that order probably put Kidness in that seven and in the six hole we're probably talking Reyes which is funny to think about because, right. I mean, that's a pretty damn solid top six once you go counting down the rest of
1: the guys. Right, right. And for those of you who may not be familiar with, uh, with Reyes, I did see this, uh, this height and weight comp between him and a Browns player that we all know and love, Miles Garrett. So, Miles Garrett is 6'4, 271 pounds. Reyes is six five, two hundred and seventy-five pounds. This man is bigger than Miles Garrett.
0: That's incredible.
1: I didn't think that it was possible to be that that large. For he, a
0: National League outfielder.
1: Yeah, he needs yeah, he can't be in the outfield. No,
0: no, no. He's gotta be your DH. But or develop into a first baseman, like I said.
1: Yes, no, I I'm all for whatever will get Jake Bowers off the roster. Whatever it takes with that, you'll you
0: probably have to send him down. He's got options, so you'll probably send him down to AAA.
1: Okay, well, he's off the the current active major league roster. Yes, that's my concern. Yeah,
0: no, I, I think that's what should happen. But I've got this sick feeling in my stomach because he has first baseman uh, in his his arsenal uh-huh. that they're gonna want to keep him up there because of that. And so I don't what? like it one bit. I, so I don't,
1: what we can put we can put Reyes at first. Uh, you can't. How would that be any different? I think you could put Mike Freeman there. You could do that too. I think you could get away with it. Well, I just mean they, we we had certain uh, certain people of influence had no problem putting Kipnis in center field. So I mean, how how is right, right. how was put how was putting someone else at first any different? If you really want to find a spot for someone, you can find a spot for someone. That's you know, been, I'm that I'm has been you what, proven.
0: Your infield next year might be one of the best in the league because I envision, I, I know we talk about, and this is completely off topic, but I know we always envision, uh, you know, finding a younger source for second base. I know Tyler Freeman's a name that people like to talk about coming up the way, maybe a Yu Chang I think differently because I think 2020 is the year that Nolan Jones can make his arrival, the number one prospect in the system. And you can stick him in at that third baseman spot. And that finally moves Jose back for good to his natural position of second base.
1: We've been talking about moving Jose to second for... How long? Three years now. Basically since he's been called out. Right. but I think we've been kind of gunning for this. But the fact that you finally will have a natural <clears throat> yes. third baseman...
0: Yes. I love the idea. and I know we're getting way ahead of ourselves, but I wanted to look. We talked about Logan Allen. I think this is a guy that could produce for the Indians at some point this year. He could make his way up. I don't know what their plan is with him on that, but, I mean, he's an arm that's had some MLB experience, and if they need him, they can bring him up. Uh, There's another name, Victor Nova, that came from the Padres, another low-level guy. I think he's in rookie ball. You won't hear his name anytime soon. But I want to kind of diagnose what we thought of the other teams in this trade because I think it's it's pretty consistent with what most of the national media said, what most of public opinion has said is that it's it's just there's a different level from where Cleveland got in this deal right. and the other two teams.
1: Right. Okay. So just looking at the Reds, you get Bauer. You Which get, is you get Bauer for your pennant race this year. Are the Reds competing? Are they not? I after the trade, I still don't know whether what they're trying to accomplish. I talked
0: to Reds fans today, and they seriously believe that they still have a chance in this
1: wild card. Okay, race. so they're going for it. I see. The only reason why I wasn't sure I, is because they they moved Scooter.
0: Scooter really hasn't provided any value. Well, this yeah, year. but
1: whenever I see anyone moving a major league guy, to me that says so. He was
0: traded for a player to be named Lair.
1: Okay. Right, that tells it, you
0: that tells you how far he's fallen off because of injury.
1: Okay, that's fair. Um, but yeah, no, I. So you get Trevor Bauer for this year, and then you get Trevor Bauer next year for twenty million dollars. And again, this is the Trevor Bauer that has thrown one hundred and twenty pitches and like.
0: And he's got a hit.
1: That is true too. And he has to imitate all the batters. And he has to pitch in a minor league ballpark.
0: I'm very, (laughs) just. oh my God, him and Kepler at Great American, Ooh, that'd be disgusting, because Kepler loves to hit at the right field, and that's the key spot at GAP.
1: That will be... G-A-B-P.
0: That'll be something. But I thought of it, and I broke it down like this. I think the Indians knocked it out of the park. The Reds have a big question mark over top of their heads.
1: Like I think with the Reds they they're they could have a plan in place. They could they could very much have a solid plan in place. I don't know what that is and they may not even have one. But for at least in my thought like I think that they might have potential to make something of this. I haven't seen it yet, I just, but they might.
0: I just feel like they have way too many holes to make a run next year. Unless if, you know, they go into this offseason and are buyers. And that, they're going for it. That's what I'm saying. That's what they have to do because if they're committing to a 2020 where they're going for it and they leave the roster majority of what it is, and I'm not saying making trades for like Puig and Matt Kemp because look what that did for you. It really right. didn't right. get you a whole lot. Yeah, They need more help in terms of like the bullpen, the middle infield. You cannot go into 2020 with Derek Dietrich and Jose Iglesias Running the middle of your infield.
1: Right. And like getting Bauer, like they bolster their starting pitching, which definitely was not their worst aspect as a team. Uh, it was, they had a solid two. I it, think Sunny Gray stepped up. It was serviceable. It was serviceable, but I, it gives them a solid
0: three. They have Trevor Bauer, Luis Castillo. One of the better pairs you're going to find in the league. Right. I, I think you're up there now.
1: I just think they had more glaring needs that they did not address. Oh, absolutely. Their bullpen is horrendous. Right. And it has been for years. Right.
0: They've had some highlighted pieces. And I know Reds fans touted it early on in the year. I think they had one of the better ERAs for bullpens. But it's like, it's a very stark difference. There's like two guys that had ERAs under two, and there was like three with ERAs over five. Like they had some really good guys and some really bad guys in
1: there. Yeah. No one in between.
0: Right. It just wasn't fully complete. And then on top of that, your outfield is a bunch of young guys that are trying to make the next step. But are they going to get there? I know Nick Senzel's been great when he in his rookie year. I think he was hitting close to 280 this year, which is great. Can't knock that. But is he going to take the next step in being a leader in that lineup? Yeah. Those okay. are questions that are going to have to be answered for that team at the very beginning of 2020 to decide if they're going to make that run.
1: Right. And again, it'll be interesting because the Reds were very active in this past off season. So it'll it'll be interesting to see kind of okay, what direction are they going in for 2020? Because, again, that Bauer will not re-sign with them unless if— I could be wrong, but I feel like Bauer will only sign with teams that he feels like has a potential to win a championship. I
0: think that's 100%
1: right. So unless the Reds do something, he's not re-signing in Cincy.
0: I think they'd have to make a run to the pennant, possibly. Probably to the uh, championship series.
1: I definitely. Yeah. You you would have to. The only way that you can convince him to re-sign with you is by winning. That's the only way. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it's going to come at the same, if not a higher, cost too. Oh I mean,
0: right. I mean, this is we're talking about a team that runs at a lower payroll than we do. Right. So they're
1: definitely going to feel the crunch. Yeah. So again, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what the Reds do.
0: But the third team in this mix we got to talk about is obviously the Padres, and I think this is the one where we had the most questions. I don't know what GM AJ Preller's doing there. I get it. They had an excess of outfielders in terms of they had Reyes, they also had Will Myers that they could possibly trade, and they also had Hunter Renfro. I get it. You had the excess that you could trade and get rid of those guys to get something that you want. But to give up that and your top 100 prospect in Logan Allen to get a Taylor Trammell that's been struggling in his fourth year in the minors. That kind of scares me if I'm a Padres fan.
1: Right. So it's just like, okay, do the do the Padres know something that the Reds don't? Like, what?
0: Oh, I think the Reds have been sitting on Trammell until they could just land a big fish. Because I, I think they've been nervous just like everybody else has been expecting. Right. Because he's been on this top 100 prospect list for a couple of years, but he... You know, they were expecting him to take a big leap here in 2019, and he's done the exact opposite. In fact, I think he's hitting below 240. Oof. Oof. In double A. He's ba- been in the minors for four years. That's bad. Now, I understand Preller is looking for the young outfielders. I, I get it. He wants a different style of guy than what Reyes was. But, I, I mean, a big but. This is taking a huge risk on a guy that's regressed in year four in the minors
1: like I don't like that is just it's it's not good at all like there's no like really quantifying like how bad that is if you are looking for him to be a major league level player and he can't do this not even at triple A but he can't do it at double A yeah no bueno no bueno no <laughs>
0: I get it. The, the Padres are not making a run at the playoffs this year, and I don't know if they're fully ready to make one at 2020. Maybe 2021's the year that they're ready, and they're projecting that they're going to make this run, and maybe Tramiel's ready to come up and be a factor in that season. But you know what? I guarantee you Eric is not ready to wait for that. I know... Manny Machado's not ready to wait for that. I know Kirby Yates is not ready to wait for that. You got a bunch of older guys on this roster, too, mixed in with a lot of young, that are not going to be happy that you're taking a sit-back and, you know, kind of refuel approach. Because this is a team that brought these guys in, ready to compete, and now here they were at the deadline, damn their last place in their division.
1: Right. And also for the record, too, it was the Rockies who they jumped in front of. The, the Rockies, yes. In that division. So the Rockies are now the— That
0: division's been all over the place. I think the Diamondbacks were in last place like a couple weeks ago, and now they're like two games out of the wild card.
1: I mean, you said it best, though. If it's not the Dodgers, it does not matter. In the West? It really doesn't. I, I think, like,
0: second place is like 14 games back in that division or something. I feel
1: like it's more than that. I feel like fourteen's underselling. I think it's pretty close. Because I, I, I think it's either— I think the
0: Giants are in second.
1: Uh, okay, that'll buy. I will buy that just because the Giants have turned it on. I think on. the Giants are two and a half back. The the Giants are 15 games back of the Dodgers. But two and a half back of
0: like the wild card or something like that. Like something really small for a team that's
1: not that good. Right, which would then put the Diamondbacks at like three and a half back then.
0: But here's the argument I, that I give to the Reds fans that say, oh, well, we're still in the the, the race for the wild card. I'm like, really? Because it's you and six other teams in front of you. Right, now I, you're six and a half games out, but it's like you got a pretty big log jam.
1: Right, and that's that's what I rushed on uh, in our last podcast was okay, yeah, sure, you're not that far out, but also you have five, six teams in front of you. So in my in my view, okay, yes, you are, you may be two games out, but if there's five, six teams in front of you, more or less, you should add just a game to that. To how many games you're back, based on how many teams? So instead of two back, you're really like seven back. Because you need that many games to go your way in order to move up. And they have they have
0: two teams in their division in front of them in that. You have the Brewers. I think the Yeah, because I think the Cardinals are technically leading the division right now. Mm. So you have the Cubs and the Brewers in front of you.
1: Mm. And I don't think they're better than either of those teams. Right. Well, I mean, the the benefit of having divisional teams be in front of you, you you play them. So that that's, uh, that's like a two-game swing there.
0: That's also a thing that I think is in their negative for 2020. You think you can make that run, but that's a tough-ass division. And a division where I think you're at least, at best, third in talent. I think the Cubs have better talent, and I think the Cardinals do. But it's not by a whole lot.
1: Right. Yeah, right now the Reds are sending six games out.
0: Yeah, I get it. They've been beating each other up, but at the same time, like if I'm taking a seven-game series against any of those teams in the division, yeah. I think the only team they're beating in that seven-game series is the Pirates.
1: That is a series that I would watch, though.
0: <laughs> because
1: of, you, I, have, I think, I think we need a brush upon you, you what, a, <laughs> what transpired last night. You probably have a
0: brawl in at least four of the seven. Uh, yeah, you know, we we got to talk about it. So it was. It involves
1: a, a current Cleveland
0: Indians. Here's the biggest debacle you'll ever have on the eve of trade deadline day. So obviously Puig is playing for the Reds. Correct. And he's been traded to the Indians. Correct. Traded 45 minutes before the event we're talking about. Well, hold up.
1: No team Twitter tweeted anything out until this morning.
0: Because it's not. Okay. League official. So
1: that tells me then that okay, so like you said, not league official, so therefore it's not done yet. So as that's of that's not in,
0: true. Not, that's not true. It is true. Just because the league hasn't signed off on it.
1: Okay, well no, that is one percent true. It means that it's not official until it's official.
0: Look at all the trade deadline day deals that were happening. Shane Green was hugging people as he was walking off the field. because he got
1: pulled. Be, it can be in the pipeline by four. I'm just saying things can happen. No, like the trade deadline, like things were happening after four o'clock today. That's because things were being announced after four. But the the trade just has to be more or less. I will go ahead and call it like the the faxing thing that we're all familiar with with sure. the Browns trying to get uh, <laughs> what's his face, Are AJ McCarron. Yes. Yeah. Uh. So it, it, it similar to that. It just has to be sent in by four. And then needs to be approved, and then go from there. But that's not the point. I mean,
0: teams no. are pulling their guys off the field preemptively. When negotiations yes. are happening. Yes,
1: I I agree. But I think the Reds just did not care.
0: Well, no crap, because we obviously saw that because he was still in the game. Right. Well, I mean, I get it. David Price was ejected, so there wasn't like a a direct line path of communication from the front office to the dugout. But maybe you should try a little bit harder next time.
1: Well, yeah, but then again, in the, in the Indians part of the deal that got sent to them, I mean, in his last moments on a baseball field before being traded, was hurling a ball three hundred and fifty <laughs> feet over, over the outfield wall. So I mean, it, it happens. But I, no, I do- want. Well, but it doesn't, though. It, you're right. It doesn't.
0: It it really doesn't. And actually, well, with, most of- with
1: Trevor Bauer, it happens. You're right. That's a Bauer-esque
0: But I'm saying, if the national media is complaining that they're not pulling Puig, I think there's a good reason behind that.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of reasons. But no. Because the trade could get voided if he gets hurt. Agreed. But no, I, I will go ahead and say this. What happened last night between the Reds and the Pirates? Good for baseball. Very good for baseball. It depends on what you mean by that. It gets viewership up. That that is what I mean. Higher mm-hmm. viewers means more money, more revenue. change the
0: sport. Just make it a WrestleMania. They, and that's an says- inter-
1: that's an interesting point that I wanted to bring up. Another change I would like to see. <laughs> I would love to see at one point, each each team gets one. At one point during one game, you get to just the the two managers fight. I want to see managers fight.
0: instead of the seventh inning stretch, you just have the seventh yes. inning showdown.
1: Yes, but a a team gets to pick at what moment, at what point it can be during the regular season or postseason, but you get to have a fight between the managers, also good for baseball. again, more viewership. I mean we, we see it we see it in football, but violence promotes viewership. You're a baby boomer's fan worst
0: nightmare. <laughs> Cuz that's the last thing they want to do is anything that uh, I don't even know why we're discussing this.
1: Well no, they I I would think that they'd be promoting this in baseball. I mean, they grew up in the era where running over a catcher was a good thing to do or having a hard takeout slide at second base. Is having two managers this is, is but, having two managers fight each other that much different? No, it really isn't, but it's, we're talking about the same league that doesn't like to change anything. Well, there, are some, there I read up on some of the changes that are coming into place in 2020. And I'm just left here scratching my head about why, why is this even being talked about?
0: What officially?
1: Well, this was from an article going into this season saying what they were doing this year and then what they plan to do next year based off of meetings with a joint commission between the MLB front office and the players union. And one of the things that they were going to do is you're not going, you're going to have to designate a player as either a pitcher or just a, a batter before the season. And you, you cannot, as a position player pitch in a game, unless it's one of these three situations extra innings or if you are winning by winning or losing by 6 runs and then there was a third one that was also kind of out there but i
0: would what's the point in that that's what
1: i'm saying at what point in time does a position player pitch if it's not oh it was also if um you can be uh like a dual purpose player so you need twenty innings pitched, and you need to start 20, 20 games in the field. So, showy Tani. I just don't, once he gets back to pitch.
0: The only time you ever see a position player pitch is when they're losing by like fifteen. Right.
1: right. No, that that is exactly what I'm saying. Like I don't understand why you need to make this a rule. Like oh heaven forbid you put out a you you put out your backup catcher to throw in a game where you're only losing by five runs. Better make it six before it's safe. In my opinion, Manfred's trying to do way too much.
0: I think the only person in the league this would affect is Michael Lorenzen down there with the Reds because I saw him out there playing right field today and he made a great catch, but he's actually a relief
1: pitcher. It didn't say anything about it was only position players pitching. It was, so he would just be designated a pitcher. It didn't say anything about pitchers playing the field. Okay, this doesn't make any sense. No, that's what I'm saying. I don't understand what baseball
0: is trying to do. Like what is it gonna restrict? I don't,
1: I don't know. I I I'm one percent with you. That's what I'm saying. They they have these stupid rules, but yet throwing a few punches during a game is frowned upon.
0: I mean, it's also about the integrity of the game. But I get what you're saying.
1: Okay, well the Pirates are throwing at the Reds players for hitting home runs. Is, is that not the integrity of the game? Well, yeah, I think they go right. hand in. If you if you continually I feel like the Pirates have hit at least two, three Reds every game that they've played so far this year.
0: I think within the last, I I heard the stats so many times today, it was like the last couple of years, the Pirates have hit the most batters in that span, I think it's like 41 batters or something like that. Doesn't surprise me. And, yeah, no, it, it definitely matches up with what everybody's been talking about the past 24 hours with that brawl. Right. Is that they, they instigate stuff like that. And Keone Kella, more specifically, throwing the ball high and in the face of Derek Dietrich that
1: caused pretty much all that stuff to happen last night. Right. So, I mean, I, I feel like that kind of just makes for a perfect marriage between the Reds and the Pirates. Because the Pirates play that kind of baseball when they're pitching. And David Bell, the manager of the Reds, has been tossed in over seven percent of the games that he's managed. I saw that. That is an unbelievable pace. I feel like that will set records for amount of times getting run. Yeah, that's. has so, gotta be pretty close. That's a perfect man. That's a perfect marriage right there. Yeah, you, uh, you have a manager that likes to get fired up and get thrown out of games. Then you have on. Um, on the other side, you have a manager that tells his players to go high and in. And you can't tell me the best part, the best part about the fight last night. It wasn't Amir Garrett just saying to hell with it. Telling the bench coach that, yeah, I'm going to go fight these guys. And then hands on the ball and then runs over and fights them. It wasn't that. It was David Bell running out of the dugout after already been tossed and chasing down Clint Hurdle.
0: Well, he kinda gave him a little push and then he tackled somebody else. But then he got And then
1: it. and then Sonny Gray came over and saved the day. Well I then, wish Sonny Gray wasn't the, like, again, I want manager on manager violence. <laughs> that is what the sport needs. They're wearing the uniform. They need to be out there fighting. Right.
0: And then X Time took down David Bell and kinda manhandled him and then that was the end of that.
1: Right. Which then brings us to the newest or one of the newest Cleveland Indians. Yeah, CL Puig. Yes. Very fired up last night. Very fired up following this. That dude will
0: punch anybody. He he. He just literally wants an ex- anyone. He wants an excuse to fight somebody.
1: Vado was laughing after the fight. He <laughs> looks him in the eyes and says some choice words to him. Says some choice words to everyone that wasn't out there throwing punches. Yasiel Puig hates the Pirates.
0: I think Yasiel Puig just hates anybody that crosses him.
1: That's fair. And it's my only regret that we don't have a series with the NL Central this year. Can you imagine if no, I'm we,
0: okay with it? Though I'm okay with it.
1: Uh, I would. I would that's like
0: to. A, that's a tough division. I'm. I'm okay with it.
1: I would just like to see Yasiel Puig fighting, say, the Pirates in an Indians uniform. But you know what? I'll settle for Yasiel Puig fighting anyone in. An uh, Indians yeah, uniform. I was about to say
0: any. I think anybody would suffice there. Uh, to finish up the topic for today, this, the trade deadline special, we might as well whip around the league and see things that kind of caught our attention. And I know everybody's going to point to what the Houston Ashers did and how they completely turned the league on its head once again. But my biggest thing is I know that technically these two teams have made trades this season and one did one about oh, a week and a half, two weeks ago. But if we're talking strictly deadline, your two biggest teams actually, you know, the two biggest teams didn't even make a single trade today, and that's the Red Sox and the Yankees. Mm-hmm. And the Dodgers didn't really make one of substance. They sold off some lower-level
1: guys, but that's about it. Okay, well, if I'm the Dodgers, I mean, there's nothing really you can do. Well... Or maybe add a relief they pitcher. They could have
0: added Felipe Vasquez, but the problem is, is that the Pirates are so stingy in how they negotiate, they wanted their number-one prospect, Gavin Lux, mm-hmm. which wasn't happening. right. That's a, that's basically it. That's They pretty much stood off, and everything I saw is they stood off for hours today between each other, arguing,
1: who's going to bend first? I mean,
0: and it, the Pirates are like, all right, make
1: us. Yeah, I mean, the Pirates don't have to bend. Right. That's the beauty of being a seller. You get to name your price. No, it, it's just, it was ridiculous. I, I don't know how else to put it. I <laughs> I mean, again, you're you're the Dodgers. You have 71 wins. But that bullpen come playoff time is gonna be interesting to watch. Well, if I'm them, I'm just putting my starters on a pitch count for the rest of the season because it doesn't really matter. You're gonna win the division. Nothing matters until the playoffs. Also, too, their standards are World Series championship, right, or failure of a season. Now you just gotta. They got their they got their sights set on bigger things. And again, like, yeah, relief arm would have been nice, but. You have a hell of a team as it is right now. You should be able to win. They probably should run
0: the NL. Uh, obviously, that tends out to not be the case come postseason time, but right. like, we'll find that out. Another name that I thought, man, I thought we almost ran into just trouble for the Tigers, and it would have been Tigers fashion perfect. I'm sitting there at four o'clock, and I'm like, oh my God, Nicholas Cassianos has not been sold yet. Yeah. They're going to waste. The value that he has. Yes. And then, like, randomly, at like, 4, 15, 15, 20 minutes after, they finally came through with a trade to the Cubs, which I wasn't very happy about. But I'm like, this is total Tigers fashion. They waited to the last minute to get any value for him. Mm-hmm. And it almost turned out to be a disaster.
1: Yeah. No, I um, I saw this tweets from uh, just a Tigers fan. It's just like, and crazy to think the same GM that sold J.D. Martinez for— Peanuts three weeks before the trade deadline is now <laughs> taking us down to the wire,
0: and Justin Upton. <laughs>
1: oh man! Oh, what a mess! What uh, a mess! They really didn't. They really didn't get a whole lot in return for Cassianos or for nothing. Uh, a big or name f- or for Green.
0: Two big or two minor league pieces. Same, yeah. Same with the deal that was sent Green to the Braves not big names but it's still like i guess young talent that they want to groom up themselves
1: i mean it's hard to be you you can put them out there in a year or two i mean you can't be worse than a 308 winning percentage right now <laughs> you're right you, you can really right. only go up so you're right. i i would hope i hope you can't get worse than that it's a long rebuild but I, you know long is putting it
0: nicely oh man it's been a decade you're right but i'm i'm trying to figure out is it going to be them or is it going to be the Royals. Which one returns
1: first? Ooh,
0: define, that's hard. Define
1: return like five hundred Compe- season. Competitive five hundred season. Sure. Eighty. Well, okay, well, you can even be even be a game under. We'll call it an eighty-one season. Um, <laughs> sure. which one comes back first? <sighs> See, if I'm the Royals, do I really even care? I got my World Series. Here's
0: my thing. I think the Indians really could have intrigued these guys if they went out and said, "Hey." We'll take Whit Merrifield from you. Now, I know you're not interested in trading him, and I know it's going to take a lot to get him, but if I could show you this shiny little piece named Tyler Freeman, would you be interested?
1: See, I I think a lot of it, too, is you're obviously going to have a little higher price to pay if you go in division. Oh,
0: yeah, definitely. So, I
1: mean, I feel like it's definitely a lot easier to do what the Indians did and go net, just go some interleague trades there. So, I mean, the Indians... Getting National League pieces. Obviously, see, obviously you, you only play them either in the World Series or once every three years, or if right. you're lucky, like the Indians and Reds, you get to play each other every year. for the Ohio Cup. That we won five straight years, but who's counting? <laughs>
0: um, no, I, I think I, I would have loved Wit, but I believe my scenario, they could possibly bring up uh, Nolan Jones next year and put him at third base mm. and slide Jose over to second. Really could offset that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any problem with that. Uh, I know Bunnies Boys up in Boston. They're terrible. Not. I mean, terrible farm system that they can't trade anything to get anything.
1: That yeah, that that's one thing that I that I was seeing today too was, I mean the the Red Sox were trying to make some moves. They just couldn't. But They just didn't have the trading pieces to make anything work. Their biggest piece
0: this season was trading for Andrew Kashner from the Baltimore Orioles. A uh, pitcher that had a four-run ERA. Uh,
1: if you're making deals with the Orioles, you're you're doing something wrong. Well, I did want Trey Mancini, so I, I, I won't go that far. Okay, well, good thing the Indians were smart enough and <laughs> stayed away from anything that is orange and black.
0: Yeah, you know, they went blue and Beige or blue and whatever their colors are <laughs> out there. I don't know. They change them all the time. Camo. Um, and then I guess the last thing we got to talk about is the Yankees, who needed so much starting pitching help mm-hmm. and fell flat. And you don't know if Luis Severino is coming back at all this year. Right. Because God knows whatever he's going through. Masahiro Tanaka has looked inconsistent as hell. Jay Happ has been the same way. CeCe Sabathia, He's done. James Paxson's always injured, and when he's not, he's given up the most runs in the first inning out of any starting pitcher, I think. Something like that. He's in that range. Like, this is a very inconsistent starting Oh, and Domingo Humran, who was pretty good at the start of the season, but he's going to be on an innings uh, count. So he's running up on that. And he's also been pretty average since coming back from his injury. So that's a team, and not even counting all the injuries they have from their batters. Luke Voigt's going to be out six weeks. He just had a sports hernia, so he's got to get surgery on that. You have Giancarlo Stanton, who's had so many setbacks in his rehab. Who knows when he's coming back from that injury? And Aaron Judge has been okay since returning from the IL, but he hasn't been in his old self yet by any means. This is a team that has a lot of issues and is gonna fall out of that top spot in the AL real fast. Right, but also,
1: do you think they're gonna fall out of the division though? Oh, I don't they, they know. Got- I don't know if
0: the Rays have it. I mean, okay, the, Ray,
1: the Rays got uh, one of our former... Jesus Aguilar. One of our former boys, <laughs> Jesus Aguilar. So him, him and Yandy down there can be the Bash brothers. and
0: They're what, six and a half back? I mean... They're eight back. They're eight back? So they're back they're, there with the uh, Red Sox. Yeah, they're man. back with
1: the Red Sox. So yeah, the Rays are eight back. Red Sox nine and a half back.
0: I think they'll that, hold on to it, but man, they're not going to be a traditional two seed. No. They... <laughs> See, that, I don't know what the Central is going to turn out like, but the Central team
1: might take the two seed. That That's fine. I just, I do not want to, I don't want to touch Houston. Oh, I really don't. I think, I, I think and, Houston's a lock for the one. In the first half of the season, I didn't want to touch the Yankees. It's funny how
0: it changes like that. Right. Definitely. I yeah. think Houston's locked for the one seed, so you better win that division.
1: Yeah, I honestly, I mean, I, I want to win. Against the Astros tomorrow. But I'm gonna I'm gonna put on some uh some orange and navy blue and be a be a Astros fan here for a little bit.
0: Right. No, I, I definitely agree with it as long as we're trending in the path to taking that division, yeah, I one hundred percent agree with it.
1: Of course, then again, that might give me flashbacks of two postseasons ago against the uh Against the Yankees. I mean,
0: at this point in the past three years, you have flashbacks to almost every different team that's going to (laughs) be competing in this postseason this year. Hey,
1: I had a very positive flashback last time we were recording (laughs) with Santana catching a pop-up foul in the foul ground right over by first base. You're right. Very reminiscent of when the
0: Indians won the pennant. Back when we were... Taking on the Blue Jays. You know, the Blue Jays, I, I actually, completely off topic. I love what the Blue Jays are doing. They're just, you know what, screw it. Anytime there's a big name, like a son of a big name player that's uh, that's retired, we're just going to draft him. So they drafted, obviously, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Vladdy's son, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, Craig Biggio's son, Kevin Biggio, and then uh, I'm forgetting his first name, but Bichette, Bo Bichette's dad. I can't remember his first name, but he's also a pretty big name MLB player back in the day. Mm-hmm. They're just drafting all these young kids of these prodigies and just saying, you know, we had to hit on a few of them. Hey, you know, there's some good genetics in there. Oh, absolutely. I uh, I saw Vladi Jr.'s already got two Grand Slams. I th- think so it's in his rookie year, um, home run number nine or eleven, something like that, in that range. Uh his dad, when he hit his second Grand Slam was like home run number 250 for him. Wow! So he's uh, he's already that advanced.
1: Yeah, yeah. Amazing how uh, how statistics like that work, huh? Right. You know, you <laughs> you might just pick and choose which ones you want to look at and say, oh, he's the greatest thing ever. I get it. It's a different era,
0: but I mean, you know, they're still built from the same cloth. Although, Vladdy Jr. has got a wagon, so I mean.
1: Well, since you brought him up, we didn't touch about on this last time. Was the Home Run Derby this year not the most entertaining thing that you've seen?
0: Oh, it's the first one in a while that I've actually watched entirely. He was putting it off the scoreboard easily. Yeah. Easily. And to think, I I mean, I I had expectations for him, but I did not expect for him to just take that competition by storm.
1: No, I did not think that. And in five years, if you ask me who won, I will say Vladdy Jr. won. Because he... He was the people's champion. Imagine being Big Cat so
0: worried about Christian Yelich in his first-round <laughs> matchup would have been Vladdy Jr. Yeah,
1: uh, that would a, have been a
0: one-eight upset or whatever it was.
1: Well, he should have hedged one of. He should have hedged that bet with a pinky bet.
0: <laughs> You're right. You're right. Um, this has been our baseball trade trade tra- deadline edition of the Manila Drunkards. After this, it's, you know, it's just following a lot of baseball games, watching it, and then obviously camp, hell, the Hall of Fame game is, as of today, when this recording's going live, so enjoy that, even though it's going to be bad football. It's here!
1: Week one preseason, I'll be there.
0: That's with, next uh, week, yes. With the
1: Cleveland next week, and yes. then, uh, I can't wait.
0: Clay Matthews is getting into the Ring of Honor. Yes. Week
1: 3 we'll be there in attendance, so that'll be fun. Beautiful. And oh, that's... We may have to we may have to concoct something for for that. <laughs> I have to concoct a lot of things if we're being honest. Okay, um, but uh, no, I, we may have to do some some recording while we're up there. Kind of with it being a <laughs> night game, it, it's it's gonna be a long day. Yeah, it will be. It will be. I'm there with it. Uh. Alright, go Browns, go Indians Alright,
0: thank you for listening This has been episode 19 The Trade Deadline Edition We will see you next time And we will be all about football at that point
1: Baseball Trotsky down Darlisky Averill, Rapid, Robin, When Bearden took the socks He gave us pride Talking baseball Baseball and the tribe Senor Lopez gave the orders And from south of the border Avila came to take the batting crown Roger Maris, what a pity Gone off to Kansas City But Rocky was knocking him out All over American League towns I'm talking baseball Baseball. Lemon Wynn and Tito Cleveland Baseball Dobie Calavito The Indians had Rosen on their side John Romano and Tion kicking high, I'm talking baseball, baseball and the tribe.